Amen. We're going to have a great time in the Lord tonight. Why don't we stand together? We're going to go to the uh, Word of God. I'm going to preach for a few minutes. Welcome to First Wednesday. Welcome to all of our kids and our Elevate uh, group that's in here. Uh, parents, adults, can we give them a hand? It's good to have our whole church together here tonight. Well, not our whole church, but representation of our whole church. Amen. Um, we're going to have a great time on Sunday. I want to encourage you to bring a guest on Sunday. We're looking for God to fill somebody with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, God's going to continue to do great things. God's had his hand on this church. Amen. And there is a prayer movement going through this church that is going to change lives. Brother Everett, we're agreeing in Jesus' name that you're healed. Amen. He got a bad report this week, but we're agreeing in Jesus' name through prayer that it's going to be healed. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Verse number eight is where I'm going to start reading Ephesians two, eight, um, and I'm going to read through verse 10. Uh, This is a passage of scripture that we have all quoted and read at one time or another, most likely Ephesians two, eight says for by grace have you been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Somebody say it's the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast for listen to this. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Somebody say for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The scripture is clear that we were saved by grace, but not just to experience the benefit of grace, but we were created For a reason we were fashioned by God, each and every one of us for a reason. We are his workmanship. You remember the song when we were little, we used to sing. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. Y'all remember that each and every one of us. God has ordained some things for us. And prepared some works for us to do. And so tonight I want to preach to you from the subject, made for more. How many of you believe you're made for more? Amen. Amen. Can we lift the other hand and let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we pray that your kingdom would come in this house tonight. That your will would be done in this place as you've already willed it and spoken it in heaven, Lord. We pray, God, that you would anoint your word. Anoint our ears to hear it and our heart to believe it. In the name of Jesus, God, we receive whatever you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Um, The Bible says, you can be seated, we are saved by grace through faith. How many of you believe that? We are here because God has been better to us than we deserve. Y'all going to have to help me preach tonight. Can I get an amen? amen? We're here because grace is the undeserved, unmerited Favor of God. That means there's nothing that I did to earn it. There's nothing that I did to deserve it. I I didn't impress God enough that he wanted to save me, that he wanted to call me out of my sin. You see, the beautiful thing about being a Christian is that we get all of the benefits of being in covenant with God without having to do all of the work. It's already been done for us. If you need victory, it's already been won. If you need healing, he's already paid for it. For by his stripes, we are healed. If you need salvation, he paid for that already. 
it, we get to live in all of the benefits of what He's already done for us. The Bible says that He first loved us. We didn't even have to initiate the relationship. He did all the work. He not only loved us, but the Bible says He died for us while we were yet sinners. He gave Himself for our sins. Jesus paid it all. He took my place because it should have been me on the cross. He paid for my sins. He gave me the gift of His Spirit. And while I don't deserve it and I didn't earn it, I still as a Christian get to live in the full benefit of everything that Jesus has already done for me. Now if that won't make you worship, nothing in this world will make you worship. Because we are saved. Somebody say we're saved by grace. We didn't earn it. We didn't make it happen. We can't brag about it or boast about it. We're here because of what He has done. And we get to kick back and enjoy the benefits of what the cross has already done. Amen. I heard a a friend of mine share an illustration a while back. I might have shared it here before, but I'll share it again. And uh, it goes a little like this. There was a prize fighter who trained for months and months and months and got into the ring and won millions of dollars in a championship bout. Went 12 rounds, was beaten and bruised, blood coming down his face. And after the fight is over, they present him this large check. And he's been beaten up for this check. He's trained hard for this. He's done all the work for this check. And he is a conqueror. Amen. He defeated his foe. He got in the ring and went 12 rounds and came out the winner. And he is a conqueror. But when he goes home, he takes the same check that he earned. And his little pretty wife, who never stepped inside the ring, puts her little pretty polished fingernails out and wiggles them a little bit. And that big bad conqueror hands over the check. And she gets to enjoy the full benefit Of something that she didn't fight for. And something that she didn't earn. I know some husbands in here are going to say amen. I know some wives with no working husbands are going to say amen. She gets to enjoy the benefit even though she didn't. Now he is a conqueror. But she is more than a conqueror because she never had to get in the ring. She never had to take the fight to the enemy. All she had to do was be in relationship with the right one. And she gets to enjoy the fullness of the benefits of what he has done for her. And that is what it's like to be a Christian. Is we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We didn't do it. We didn't make it happen. He got on the cross so that we didn't have to. He took the pain and the suffering and the nails so that we didn't have to and he's a conqueror but we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord I don't know about you but I want to be more than a conqueror and enjoy the full benefits some of you don't know where I'm going with this but I'll tell you where I'm going is our Bible uh, text tells us that there is more to the story Yes, we're saved by grace, but that's not all that we were created for. The book of Ephesians tells us that we are His workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared for us before we ever found Him so that we would walk in Him. And so what it's telling us is that God hasn't just saved us from some things, 
But he's also saved us for some things. He didn't just save us so we could enjoy the benefits. But so that we would walk in the works that he's already prepared for us. In other words, we weren't just made to enjoy grace. We were made for more. We weren't just made to experience salvation. We were made for more. We weren't just made to be a housewife that sits back with her feet kicked up and, and, and enjoy the full. No, we were made for more. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. The book of 1 Samuel tells the story of this woman named Hannah who was married to a wealthy man named Elkanah. Hannah had a good life. She married a rich guy. Amen. Ladies prefer to marry rich guys most of the time. If you're going to pick, right? She marries this wealthy man named Elkanah. She was loved, the Bible says. She was pampered. She was adored. The other day we were talking with Pastor and he was reminding us that on his honeymoon he went out and bought his wife, uh, Sister Erlene, a candy bar like at 2 a.m. And Jocelyn said, you never do that for me. Perhaps Elkanah was the kind of husband that would go out at 2 a.m. to get a Snickers bar for his sweetheart. Because he loved her so much. And the Bible says that this was Elkanah and Hannah's relationship. That he was wealthy, he was successful, and he, she was loved. That he gave everything that he had to her. All of the benefits and the blessings of being in relationship were hers. And Hannah was living in the benefits of being loved by a man who made the living and brought it home for her to spend. But the Bible says that Elkanah has two wives. Hannah and Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah did not have children. And so I want you to get the picture with me that, that everything was great in Hannah's life. Everything was grand. She didn't even mind Penina being around because that was normal for her day. And she was okay with life as it was. She was living on easy street, enjoying the benefits of a blessed life. She had everything that she wanted to have. She had love. She had safety. She had security. She had spending money. Can I get an amen? <laughs> she had everything that she needed. And life was good for her. She was in a place that many would have called content. She's living the dream. She has come to a place in life where she has a great relationship with her husband. They are financially settled and stable. And everything is good at home. And the Bible says that all of a sudden things began to change for Hannah. Because Penina started having babies and Hannah didn't. And things began to shift. First Samuel 1 Samuel 1.4 says, On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But listen to this. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And so here was Hannah. She was living in the blessings and the benefits of some grace in her life. She had some blessings in her life. You couldn't look at her life and say she was in desperate need of anything. But the Bible says that the Lord had closed Hannah's womb while the Lord had opened Penina's womb. And so all of a sudden Hannah has all of this, but something begins to stir in her heart. Hannah had a double portion blessing, but she didn't have children. She was blessed. 
But she was barren. And everything was great in Hannah's life. Though she was comfortable. She was loved. Living on Easy Street. Enjoying the benefits of the marriage to Elkanah. Some might say she was content. But scripture will show that she was complacent. And suddenly everything changes in Hannah's view. Because she saw Penina bear children. And then something ugly happens. The Bible says Penina starts provoking Hannah about her barrenness. 1 Samuel 1, 6. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it went year by year. As often as she went to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her. And Hannah wept and would not eat. And you got to see the picture here. When they come together to go to the temple every year, Penina said, oh, you don't have any kids with you this year? Oh, make way. Here comes the barren womb. <laughs> Hannah was being provoked by Penina. And some of you are sitting here thinking, how petty can Penina be? Say that ten times fast. <laughs> and there's petty Penina every time she sees Hannah. Because Hannah's more loved than she is. She's more blessed than she is. She's the double portion wife. But Penina's over here doing all the work for Elkanah's legacy. And so Penina is throwing barbs out at Hannah. Every time they go to the temple, she's saying, where are the babies at? Oh, I had another one. Oh, I'm just so fertile. You know? Just throwing it in Hannah's face day after day after day. Provoking her. And Hannah, the Bible says, would get so bitter that she would weep and would not eat. And here comes Elkanah because he loves his wife. And he says to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? And you know what Hannah did? She looked him up and down and said, no, you're not. Hannah. Her happy little world was interrupted when she faced the reality that she was enjoying Elkanah's benefits, but she was not leaving him a legacy. Sometimes I've come to preach to somebody. God will allow you to see some things in your life that bring to attention the areas that are lacking in you. Sometimes God will put you around people that already have What you've been praying for and desiring for. He'll put you around people that have already received what you would like to happen in your life. And and God puts Hannah in this position. He allows her to see Penina receiving the very same things that she would like for herself. And God puts Hannah in this position to provoke her. To uh, uh, For the sake of provocation. Because until Penina was blessed. Hannah could not see it. Until Penina had children, Hannah couldn't see it. She was just living and enjoying the benefits of grace. She couldn't see it. And it wasn't something that she was praying about. And it wasn't something that she was worried about. It wasn't on her radar. But God puts her in this position where she has a barren womb and Penina doesn't. And God puts Hannah right next to her to watch her while she's blessed. Think about it. The Bible says the Lord closed Hannah's womb. It wasn't a physical problem. 
It wasn't an ailment. It wasn't a sickness. In fact, until Panina started having babies, she probably blamed Elkanah and said, well, maybe we're, we're just not meant to have children together. Maybe it's him. But when somebody else gets in the same position that she's in and gets in the same relationship that she's in and all of a sudden she's fruitful, God brings it to Hannah's attention and begins to provoke her to think about what she does not have happening in her own life. God shows Hannah that she is barren and that she's missing. You see, Hannah held a special place in God's plan for his people. She was going to be the mother of Samuel. She was going to be uh, a mother of many. And and Samuel was going to be a prophet of God. And Samuel was going to be a part uh, of of the coming kingdom uh, of the Messiah. He was going to anoint Saul. And he was going to anoint David. And Hannah had a place in God's plan. But at this moment in time, she's just living in grace. She's just enjoying the full benefits of everything that's been done. and, And... And been given for her. She could say, I'm saved by grace. I don't deserve to be treated like Elkanah treats me. Because I haven't given him a son, but he loved me anyways. He he, he pours double portion blessings on me anyways. And, And Hannah is loved, but God begins to bring it to her attention that she is not bearing fruit. And so God provokes her. Through the blessing of Penina. You see, in the church, we have a bad habit of getting so caught up in the blessings that sometimes we fail to see our purpose. And so what happens when we fail to see our purpose is God will put us in a position to be provoked. God is not interested in your comfort. He's interested in your outcome. And let me, let me just pause here to say this. That whether Hannah bore children or not, Elkanah loved her. This is not about God loving you or not loving you. He loves you. He loves you desperately. He gave his life for you. You are a beneficiary of grace. But there is a part of the story that you were created for. And God will put you in positions to begin to see the areas of your life that are not producing for the kingdom of God. My goodness. And so what, what needs to happen is we need to see. God needed Hannah to get over here next to Penina and see that she's popping out babies. She needed, he needed Hannah to see what it was like and to give her a vision of what her life could be and what her life could mean. And so God pairs her up with a Penina. She doesn't like Penina and Penina doesn't like her. But God put them together so that Hannah could see that I can be what she is. That I can do what she does. That it is a possibility. That I have potential. That there's a place for me in God's plan. And so we need to be in a position where we can see. We need to be provoked. This is what Jesus was saying when he told his disciples, lift up your eyes for the fields are white already to harvest. They were enjoying the benefits of the ministry of Jesus. But he was more interested in averting their eyes from what they had already received to the fact that there are some fields around you that need some laborers. And he says, lift up your eyes, for the fields are already white to harvest. What about what I want to do in and through you? Abraham was called by God, blessed, even followed God out of Haran and was walking with him. And the Bible says he brings along Lot, his nephew, and they're blessed. Somebody say they're blessed. They're blessed. 
They're so blessed that their herdsmen start fighting over whose sheep is who. And so they come together with a meeting. And they decide that Lot will take the plains and Abraham will take the mountains. They're splitting up the land. Somebody say they're blessed. They're too blessed to stay together. Right? They're too blessed to continue together. Abraham is living it up. He's following the call of God. He's living in grace. He's been blessed. But the Bible says that as soon as Lot leaves, I want to show you what happened in Genesis 13, 14. The Bible says Lot left with his herdsmen. And the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. God was saying to Abraham, I have made you for so much more than these lesser blessings that you're living with. Abraham, you're so blessed that you and Lot had to split up. You're so blessed your herds are too big for you to even know how many you've got. There's as many as the sands of the sea can number. But he said, Abraham, when Lot gets away from you, there's some stuff I want to show you. Because you think you're blessed. And you think you've received the grace of God now. But he says, Abraham, I'm going to show you a land. And I'm going to let you see and look from the place where you are. And everything that I show you is going to be yours. I'm going to bless you so much more than you ever imagined or ever thought or ever believed that I could. And Abraham, all along, was caught up in living with the lesser blessing. The lesser blessings are easier. Somebody say amen. You don't have to work for them. That's why it's called grace. But the greater the blessing and the, the greater the purpose... The greater the effort. Because God says to Abraham that everywhere your foot will tread in this land, I will give it to you. Abraham, you've been blessed without effort. I have blessed your household. I have blessed you in your coming and in your going. But here, Abraham, you're going to have to walk through some stuff. And you're going to have to find your purpose. And you're going to have to walk through this land in order to receive it. You're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to give yourself in its service. It's going to cost you more. But it is what you were created for, Abraham. I didn't create you just to have a big herd. Abraham, I created you to be a father of nations and the only way that you're going to get to what you were made for is you're going to have to walk through it you're going to have to labor for it you're going to have to fight for it yes there are lesser blessings but i've come to preach to somebody today that god has made each and every one of us for more than a lesser blessing he's made us for more god wants us to see Beyond the lesser blessing. Because He will allow things to happen around you. He'll put people in your life and in your path that are simply there to show you what is possible in your life. Penina's pregnancy sparked a desire in Hannah. And she suddenly saw what was possible. And she wanted it in her life too. I was going to save this verse for the end, but I can't wait to get to it. Because the book of Proverbs chapter 20 verse number 5 in the English Standard Version says that there is pur- purpose is like a deep waters within a man's heart. But a man of understanding knows how to draw it out. Purpose is down deep. Now, the first time I ever read that, I thought about deep waters and I thought about the ocean. 
But that isn't what the Bible is saying. Because you don't have to reach down to draw out of the ocean. What he's saying is that deep underneath the surface, there is deep waters that aren't accessible by what is seen on the surface. But a man of understanding, like Isaac in the Bible who dug wells, will find and know how to draw the purpose out of a person's life. We serve a God that sees the purpose in each and every life. He can see beyond your surface. He can see beyond your circumstance. He can see beyond where you are today. He can see beyond your struggles. He can see beyond everything that you've been through and all the reasons that you shouldn't make it. And he can see deep beneath the surface where nobody else can see. He knows there's something down there of value. There's something down there that can give life to somebody else. There's something down there that can give hope to somebody else. There's something down there that can be a blessing to somebody else. There's something that will serve the kingdom of God. That will make a difference in this life. And so God knows how to put you in the position to spark passion where there was no passion. He knows how to draw a purpose from within the depths of man. And this is what he's doing with Hannah. He's positioning Hannah to watch Penina get blessed. so So that Hannah will feel a little jealous. So that Hannah will begin to see what is possible in her own life. And he puts Hannah in this position to begin to understand that this is what it looks like to leave a legacy. This is what it looks like to produce. And so he puts her in this position. And all of a sudden, because of what's happening in her life, Hannah begins to change her attitude about her present situation. Yes, I'm blessed, but God, you've made me for more. Yes, I have the love of God, but God, you made me for more. Yes, I can go to church and feel the presence of God and God pours blessings on me but God I was made for more and Hannah begins to come to the realization that she can have it too that she can do it too that God can bless her like he's blessed Penina my goodness and so God puts her in this position and the Bible says that before she was provoked Hannah never prayed about having a child Before she was provoked, Hannah never prayed about it. She never thought about it. But God lets her see what he's doing in somebody else's life. And the Bible says that all of a sudden God stirs and provokes Hannah to the point of prayer. 1 Samuel 1.10, she's deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor will touch his head. What happens is Hannah gets a realization that she was made for more than this, that there is the ability within her to produce. She had given up hope, but God found a way to restore hope. And so she runs to the temple at the time of prayer. And she gets down and begins to pray, God, if you're able, God, you can make a way. God, you can make me fruitful. God, you can remove my barrenness. God, if you would do it, Lord, you're able to give me a son. And if you would give me a son, God, I wouldn't take it for granted. God, I wouldn't take it for granted. Lord, I would put him in the service for your kingdom and for your cause. She was provoked enough to pray. And this is what I've come to preach to somebody. You need to get provoked enough to pray about your purpose. 
God needs to put us in positions where we begin to see people around us blessed so that we'll say, you know what? I am not satisfied with just being a beneficiary of grace. I want to put something back into the kingdom. I want to be a blessing to somebody around me. I want somebody to go to heaven because of me. I want somebody to know Jesus because of me. She was provoked enough to pray. All along she had the potential, but she hadn't been provoked, and so she hadn't prayed. God wants us to get so stirred up by what could be that we will pray like we've never prayed before. Because Eli, the Bible says, thought she was drunk. Because when the words wouldn't come out of her lips, her uh, her mouth, her lips kept on moving. Eli thought she's got to be drunk or crazy. But Hannah said, no, I'm pouring out my soul before God. Hannah said, no, I'm not drunk. I'm not crazy. But I have been moved from no passion to full of passion. God has found my purpose deep within me. And he started pulling it up out of me. And God has brought a desire up in my life that I won't let go. Until you bless me. You know what our problem is? Is we get so caught up in the lesser blessings that we forget that there is something inside of me that God created me for. And God puts Hannah in this position. And when Hannah begins to pray, heaven begins to shake. Things begin to change. Now watch. The Bible says when Eli sees her praying like that, the Bible says he marked her. You study it out. Watch. He slapped her in the face. said, lady, you don't come in this church acting like that. You must be drunk or crazy. And Hannah was so impassioned by the purpose God had drawn out of her that she didn't even get offended. I mean, really. You come to the altar and someone backhands you today. We're probably having to meet in the office before you go home. (laughs) Let's be honest. Hannah didn't care. She says, I don't care if I'm misunderstood. I don't care if my character is maligned. I don't care what people say about me. I don't care what people think about I'm just going to declare it. Hannah was Pentecostal. She didn't care what nobody thought. She didn't care if the priest didn't like it. She was going to get her prayer on. And the Bible says she, st- she kneels down and she's praying and no words are coming out. Because she prayed so much she had no more to say. But she kept moving her lips and saying, God, you can give me a child. God, you can give me a son. God, you're able. And Lord, you spiked a passion in me. And so God, I'm going to pray until I see it happen. The Bible says that she poured out her soul. Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you've made to him. And watch what happens with Hannah. The Bible says that when the priest confirms the word and confirms the prayer, that Hannah gets up, she dusts herself off, she's got her answer, and the Bible says she walks home and her face is not sad anymore. She eats with Elkanah, They went out and had a good time. I'm telling you, she's Pentecostal. She left happy. Went and got a little bite to eat. Remember, she wouldn't eat because she was sad. What happens is when Hannah prayed and God confirmed, Hannah believed. She believed. She didn't come back the next service and say, Oh, God. She believed. 
Eli said, get up and go, and God grant you your petition. And the Bible says the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. She had faith to believe what she had prayed for. The Bible says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. Hannah prayed, and she believed. And the Bible says we can see it in action because she wasn't worried anymore. She wasn't fearful for her future anymore. She knew that she was made for more than just receiving blessings. God was going to do something with her life. She had received the word. And watch what she does when she received the word. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 1.19, they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. And then they went back to their house at Ramah. What Hannah did is she started worshiping God while she was still waiting for the promise to come to pass. She started worshiping before any outward sign ever. All she received was confirmation. And you know what she did? She got up the next morning. She said, God, I just want to praise you because you've drawn purpose out of my life. God, I want to praise you because my story is not hopeless. God, I want to praise you because you've heard the prayer of your servant. God, I'm still in the waiting room, but I'm worshiping while I'm waiting. God, I'm not there yet, but God, I'm just going ahead and declaring that it's already done. It's already finished. You've already made a way, even though I can't see it, even though I can't feel it. I know you're already working on my behalf. Oh, come on, somebody preach with me. The Bible says she started worshiping like it was already finished. It was no question about what God could do, what God would do. She said, I'm going to worship God while I have a chance. I'm going to praise God right here in the waiting room. We've got a problem when we keep praying and praying and not believing. But Hannah didn't have the problem. She wasn't stuck on sadness. She switched over to faith. And look what happened when she started worshiping. The Bible says Elkanah knew his wife and the Lord remembered her. The Lord heard her and then he remembered her because she was worshiping in the waiting. I've come to preach. Come on, let's stand together. We're going to come to a close right now. I'm not going to preach any longer. But she was worshiping in the waiting room. And God says, I see your worship. I see that you haven't been discouraged. I see that you haven't been deterred by circumstances. I see that that you haven't been delayed by this. That it hasn't driven you back from what I've called you to do. And the Bible says the Lord remembered Hannah. And God opened up Hannah's womb. And she bore a son whom she called Samuel. And the Bible says that she took Samuel when he was about... Four or five years old. And dedicated him to God. And it was Samuel the prophet that stood over David. With the oil of anointing. And he was anointing the throne that one day Jesus was going to sit on. He was anointing the throne that one day Jesus would occupy. He was anointing the future for the Messiah. It was in you all along, Hannah. It was in you all along. All the blessings, all the anointings, everything that God wanted to do, it was always in you. But God had to put you in a position to want it. To stop being satisfied with the lesser blessings. To stop being satisfied with living at the lower level of blessing. 
Here's what I've come to preach to someone. I want everyone to bow their, uh, their, their heads and close their eyes right now. I feel like the Lord gave me this word for somebody. Is if we are not careful, we can become so satisfied, so satisfied with living on lesser things. With coming to church and receiving the blessings. But I've come to preach to somebody tonight that there is a purpose in your life. The reason you've been through what you've been through is because God was positioning you for your future and your purpose. The reason that you suffered, the reason that you came through, the reason God put you there to watch others be blessed while you wanted it for yourself is so that there would be a passion and a desire in you. Purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. God knows how to draw the purpose out of our lives. He knows how to draw the passion from our complacency. He knows how to bring fruitfulness from our barrenness. And here's how it's going to happen. Is I'm, we're going to pray that God would open your eyes tonight. And when you see it, there's only one thing you can do with it. As you begin to take it to God in prayer. God, I'm not satisfied with a fruitless walk. God, I'm not satisfied. God, there's something in me. There's something down deep in me that you see. Would you draw it out tonight? God, would you draw it out tonight? God, I've been caught up in all these other blessings in life. God, I've been living and I've been loved and I've been blessed. But God, I was made for more than this. God, you have a purpose for my life. God, there's somebody that you want me to lift up. There's somebody that I can change. God, there's somebody that you put me on this earth for. Maybe it's just my kid. Maybe I'm going to raise the next Samuel. God, maybe maybe I'm going to help somebody who's going to be a great evangelist. God, maybe it's just one person that you put me on this earth for. But God, you've given me a purpose. And so, God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would open eyes in this room. That you would open hearts to begin to see the purpose that you place deep within man. And God, let somebody bring it to the altar in prayer. God, let somebody bring it to you in prayer and say, God, do it in me like you did it in them. God, make it fruitful in me like it's been in somebody else. In the name of Jesus. Would you lift your hands and can we pray right now? Find a neighbor. Find somebody to buy him with and say, God, would you draw the purpose out of our lives? God, would you draw the purpose out of our hearts? God, you didn't put me here just to be blessed. God, you didn't just put me here. But God, there's a reason for my life. God, there's a calling over my life. God, there's something that you want me to do in my life. And God, draw the purpose out of my heart. God, send the bucket down deep. God, beyond what I can see, beyond what I know. And Lord, pull out the purpose. God, pull out the purpose from our souls. God, pull out the purpose from our struggles. God, pull out the purpose from our sorrows. 
Come on, would you just pray right now? Come on, would somebody say, Lord, 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 draw a purpose out of my life. Come on, we've got just a couple minutes to pray. If you want to come pray, pray. Come on, we've got a few minutes at the end of this first Wednesday to say, God, I don't want to just be blessed. God, I want to make a legacy for the kingdom. I want to serve you. I don't deserve I want to fulfill a purpose. You God, I was made for more than this. Away. You Glory love me, God. And so let me give my life to fulfill your legacy. Because you love me. Love Come on, that's it. Somebody Glory just worship. You can worship in your pew. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. Us, even though we're not fruitful, oh, God, even though we've not fulfilled our purpose, you've loved us. God, you've loved us in spite of it all. But God, we want to worship you. God, we want to serve you. We want to leave you a legacy in this life. Come on, somebody talk to Jesus right now. Talk to Jesus right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, from your pew, would you just lift up your hands and worship the Lord? Come on, somebody tell him, Lord, you've been graceful. I don't deserve it. But God, I want to give my life to you. I give my life to you. I give my life to you. I give my life to you. Draw a purpose from deep in my soul. Draw the purpose out of me. Amen. God is talking to somebody in this room right now. Amen. You come and you've asked, Lord, is this it? Is this what it's all for? Just to feel your presence and just to be blessed. And I feel like the Lord is calling to somebody. There's a purpose deep within you. Deep within you. And God understands and knows how to bring it out. I want to tell somebody, you may have been on this pew for years, but God wants to use you. God wants to use you. You don't have to be great. You don't have to have the right circumstances. But when God shows you, when you finally see it, you've got to be willing to commit it to God in prayer and say, God, I want what you want for me. I want what you want for me, God. I don't want my life to be meaningless. Blessed, but barren. Blessed, but barren. But Lord, I want to be fruitful for your kingdom. I want to be fruit. That doesn't mean you have to be an evangelist or a soul winner. But God has a purpose for you. If you're here and you want to be fruitful, would you just lift your hand and put your other one over your heart and say, God, I want to be fruitful. I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for your love. But God, I was made for more. God, I was made for more. And I want to serve your kingdom, God. I want to make a difference for somebody else. God, I don't want to be the only one that you love. I want somebody to be saved because of me. God, I want somebody to know how graceful you are because of me. I want you to use my life. Use my life, Lord. Take my life and use it for your glory. God, I pray for these that have gathered at the front tonight. God, you're ministering to them. 
and talking to them. I pray right now you would do a sovereign work. God, open the eyes of the Spirit that we may see. God, give a vision. For the vision is to provoke us, God. The vision is to bring us to a place of prayer and passion. And so, God, let us pray. Let us believe. And let us worship you so that you can have your way in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. How many of you believe it tonight? Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, that's good. Can we just worship him another moment before we close this service? Can we just worship him another moment? Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you leave here knowing nothing else, know this. That God loves you right where you are. He loves you right where you are. And you may not be there yet, but if you'll open your heart to God, and if you'll trust and believe, God will bring it out of you. God will bring it out of you. Amen. I want to see God do a great work in our church. I want to see God do a great work in our kingdom. Can we open our hearts? Can we pray this week that God would bring us a vision of the purpose that he's placed within us? Amen. Would you hug somebody's neck near you? Would you shake somebody's hand? May you be dismissed. Come back Sunday. We're going to have a great time in the Holy Ghost. Let's pray for somebody to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus.